0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from ACAST. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The problem with facts, Leanne, is that facts
1: can be interpreted differently. If I hold up this glass of water, in my right hand it's half full. If I move it to my left hand, right. it's it's half empty. You know, there is a Labour MP Kate Hoey is absolutely right. I mean, facts are so difficult, aren't they? I mean, fact is this beehive has bees in it, but is it half full of bees or half empty of bees? Ah, it's just full of bees! Ah! Hello, and welcome to this week's Partly Political Broadcast. I'm and Duyeb, and I'll be honest, I really thought BHS went into administration about 15 years ago. And yeah, it is very, very sad for any workers being made redundant, or anyone that really wants hand-painted salt and pepper shakers in the shape of an owl, which is everyone, right? But... I also give it all of five minutes before the Vote Leave campaign starts some sort of British Home Stores for British Home Shoppers statement and blame it all on migrants. I can't believe anyone is surprised that former owner Philip Green sold BHS in the first place for loads of money or isn't helping with the pension fund deficit. Of course he has no interest in British Home Stores. According to HMRC, he doesn't even have a British home anymore. Anyway, this week's show is sort of vaguely election based. I did think about leaving all the election stuff till next week, but I've noticed a few of you listen to this several days after I release it, so I'd hate to think you'd only be getting vital, important cynicism after you'd already crossed the box. So instead, I've got a great interview with Rachel Holdsworth, who's the senior editor of The Londonist, and she explained all about the London mayoral elections to me, despite being very hungover, Proper trooper. Uh, There's also some stuff on the Welsh and Scottish elections, as well as what on earth a police commissioner actually does. I did also want to talk about Theresa May's call again to leave the European Convention of Human Rights but The Guardian did a sketch video with Patrick Stewart that is so good I honestly can't top it this week. So go watch that and then come back and listen to this. Go now, hurry up, go now, now, now. You're back! Great! It's excellent, isn't it? All I'd add to that is, if we did leave the European Convention of Human Rights I'm not sure our current government would create much to replace it. I mean, the UN are still investigating whether cuts made to welfare are a breach of human rights, the Investigatory Powers Bill will probably breach everyone's privacy, the rise in zero-hours jobs breaches everyone's right to minimum standards of decent work, and I'm sure even having to see Jeremy Hunt's stupid smug face as he refuses to back down on his imposed junior doctor's contract is probably quite a lot like torture. So, if May got her wish and we left the ECHR, I worry we'd end up more with some sort of human wrongs act. Oh, but we have the Magna Carta, I hear idiots cry. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that we could easily return to the standards of the 13th century charter, where only kings and barons are protected, and peons like you and me have to dance when you're told to. In fact, Theresa May has already ruined dancing anyway, peons or not, because if the IP bill comes in then we'll all have to dance like someone's watching at all times anyway, as they probably are, and no, they don't like your bogle. Oh, and I'll talk about the administrative error that is the Conservatives' 2015 election campaign spending in a future show I didn't have time on this week. Um, I will just say that now they've had administrative errors for donations to the daughter of an arms dealer, policies on their crime bill, and large sums of money given to a councillor, amongst other things, you sort of think they should probably just get some new admin staff, eh? I mean, maybe one of those paper clips on Word that just pops up and says, so, it looks like you're trying to reshuffle your expenses. Anyway. This I think Jeremy Hunt should be made to walk around with the sort of warnings that you get on cigarette packets attached to him at all times. Warning! This man is dangerous to all health. Listening to Jeremy Hunt will reduce the lifespan of the NHS. We all wish he'd have a slow and painful death. Junior doctors are begrudgingly on another strike this week after Hunt refused two opportunities for compromise. Last week, the British Medical Association offered to call off the strikes if Jeremy called off his decision to impose the heavily flawed junior doctor contract. But this was turned down as apparently choosing to delay or change the introduction of the contract that will cause disruption to the NHS might cause disruption to the NHS. This also seems to ignore all the other possible disruptions to the NHS such as selling off loads of bits of it or freezing of nurses pay or the complete top-down reorganisation that's happening that the government promised that they wouldn't do. Essentially, thanks to the tampering of Jeremy Hunt, Andrew Lansley and the entire government, the NHS is becoming so disruptive it would almost be safer for patients if they sold it to East Coast Rail and people were told they couldn't come in as there's the wrong kind of leaves in reception. The second attempt to curb the strikes came from an offer to pilot the junior doctor contract first, in a letter from Labour's Shadow Health Secretary, Heidi Alexander, also from Conservative Dr Dan Poulter, Liberal Democrat Norman Lamb and the SNP's Dr Philippa Whitford. And Hunt rejected this offer too, knowing full well that if the Junior Doctor contract got a pilot, it would never go to series due to very, very low audience approval ratings. Instead, he said that this offer was opportunism, which considering a Tory MP took part in it, shows that Hunt simply doesn't understand what opportunism is. Though I guess opportunity does only favour the brave, so he's probably never ever had any. Hunt also tweeted that a further delay will just mean it takes even longer to eliminate the weekend effect. And if you remember from episode one of this podcast, and from many, many articles that have come out since, the weekend effect in terms of hospitals is a complete and utter fallacy. And in fact, if you remember in episode one, Keir Shields, who we interviewed then, a junior doctor, said actually, you're more likely to die on a Wednesday. So, essentially, Jeremy Hunt won't pilot a project or cancel its imposition in order to make sure that something that doesn't exist is eliminated quicker and further mess doesn't cause further mess. I really do hope Jeremy smacks his own head against a wall repeatedly in order to not do any more damage. If you do listen to this in time, do support the junior doctors on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Despite headlines, they've all put enough contingency plans in place to assure that patients that urgently need attention aren't ignored and less urgent appointments will be postponed. Hunt's statements that all of this could risk patient safety is a massive Freudian projection. He's like if Dexter was in the cabinet. Happily murdering the NHS, but unfortunately because he's the one diagnosing it, so far he's getting away with it. Lord Dubbs would be an amazing name for a Grime DJ. Instead, he's a Czech-born, former MP and now Lord, whose amendment to the Immigration Bill calling for the UK to take in 3,000 lone refugee children from Europe was rejected by the government. Hooray! The arguments against helping children in desperate need involved one Conservative minister saying well it could drive children into the hands of traffickers. Whereas you know, leaving them completely unaccompanied somewhere in France means they'll be totally safe from exploitation right? Conservative MP for Rochester and Strood Kelly Tolhurst said it would cost too much money to take in 3,000 lone refugee children and obviously that would mean that they'd have less money to illegally overspend on election campaigns. So, sadly, those 3,000 children will have to stay in Calais. But I guess, with a Prime Minister who neglectfully leaves his own daughter in the pub anyway, perhaps they will actually be safer in France. Watch out, hay fever sufferers. In just over a week, we'll be surrounded by pollen stations. Ha! Sorry. Sorry. On May the 5th, like some sort of political Viagra party, there'll be elections popping up all over the place. Hard elections. Ha ah, I'm really tired. In London, where I reside, we're going to be voting to elect a new London Mayor and a new London Assembly. But what do any of those things do? I mean, for the last eight years, the London mayor has been the love child of an elite scarecrow and a bag of piglets, Boris Johnson, and all he seemed to do is increase homelessness, sign off on unaffordable housing and get stuck on a zip wire looking like a twat. So, I mean, is that part of the job? If London is the city that never ever sleeps, will we always get some sort of living nightmare? And why do Sadiq and Zach Goldsmith seem like the sort of candidates that have been invented by a bunch of accountants who overdosed on Prozac? This week, I spoke to Rachel Holdsworth, who is the senior editor at the excellent London-based website Londonist. She knows about all things Mayoral and in the London Assembly, and so was the perfect person to explain it all to an idiot like me. And I also found out by Twitter afterwards that she was really hungover, which I had no idea of, so extra points there for her keeping it all together despite the pain. Also, Rachel seemed incredibly disappointed that she didn't swear at all during this conversation, so I got her to record this afterwards. Fucking hell just mentally add that in wherever you feel it's necessary and i assure you it probably feels necessary quite a lot of times and um, as per always there is a sound quality apology i mean i'm starting to wonder if i should get a jingle just for that sound quality apology it happens so frequently um and it's mostly because i don't have any money to buy any good equipment uh, but this week i bought a new microphone and headphone set in order to reduce the echo and instead They've increased the echo, and I also sound like I'm eating bees. And I only ate one or two bees during this conversation. No, that's not why they're disappearing. I plant a bee for every single one I eat, I promise. Anyway, here's Rachel and me eating some bees. So, should the rest of the UK care about our London mayoral elections? And if so, why on earth would they?
0: (laughs) You know what? I'm not even sure London cares about the mayoral elections right now it's really hard to to get people interested. I was talking to people from um, some other, I probably shouldn't mention which ones they are, just in case they get into trouble with me. (laughs) Um, It's
1: a hot scoop for the podcast, yeah. (laughs)
0: um, yeah, We can see from uh, social media and just, you know, page views. um, People are finding it really hard to get interested. I mean, there's still a couple of weeks to go and, and maybe, you know, sort of a week, 10 days, before the votes, you know, people might go, oh, yeah, I've got that polling card. What is that for again? Um, but, yeah, people are just not that bothered in London. Uh, for the rest of the country, <laughs> well, um, I mean, the, the, the mayoral concept is being rolled out across to lots of other different cities and regions. So, in a way, you know, yeah, people should care because, you know, you, you can see how it's, how it's running down here. You know, we've had a mayor for 16 years. Um, And also, you know, there's the whole thing that um, the Treasury basically holds all the cards in in this country. You know, um, London doesn't keep hardly any of its its tax take. So um, if we want to build a new, you know, Crossrail 3 or whatever in the future, we're going to have to go cap in hand to the Treasury and we'll be fighting against, uh, you know, all the other cities and from what they want to build. So, you know, Manchester and, and Leeds and Newcastle should care because whoever we elect is who they're going to be going up against
1: right okay so there's almost a, a, a they should care almost in a competitive way yes. uh, in terms of they want they want us to have someone rubbish so that they can get more stuff kind of yeah wow and why do you think just to have interest, I, I mean i know what you mean about the lack of interest I, this is i remember four years ago i went to some of the mayoral debates i knew a lot about it and the four years before that and this time around i really I found that I, I don't even know a lot about what's going on, um, apart from a few headlines about the sort of goldsmith card uh, scraps. I I haven't got
0: a clue. It feels like it's snuck up on us out of nowhere. I know. I mean, I think this is the first, I mean, it is. This is the first narrow election where we haven't had Ken Livingston, for a start. Um, and, you know, Ken and, and, and Boris, I mean, they're very big, recognisable names and... Zach Goldsmith and Sadiq Khan just don't compare in that kind of of bracket. So, I mean, from that point of view, there's a there's a lot less interest. Um, I mean, and the, the the arguments that are being had are just kind of depressing. It's got quite personal. It's got a little bit, you know, divisive. Dare we say it, racist? Um, and these just not the kinds of things that I think engage people. So, yeah, it, it's it's really hard, I think, to but people to care. And also, I think a lot of people don't even still know what the mayor does. I mean, I was talking to um, somebody a couple of weeks ago, lovely, intelligent person, and he said, who is the mayor? Is it Tessa Jowell? <laughs> no. Wow. Which, um, I mean, in a way, I've been sort of paying attention because Tessa Jowell was going for the, the, the Labour uh, candidate nomination. So, you know, he pro- presumably picked it up from that. Um, or maybe it was just the Olympics thing that he'd he picked it up from. I don't know. But yeah, that's. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, I I understand
1: that people might not care about politics, but to somehow have avoided that Boris has been in charge for the last eight years that's quite incredible. I know. I mean,
0: what, what on earth do they think he's doing in the news?
1: Like, why? Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's just like uh, his "Have I got news for you" appearances. Maybe he makes occasional guest spots. Uh, <laughs> as far as I are say, how bizarre. I mean, that that's uh, as you say, it's a, quite a good question. What what does the London mayor actually do? Because, I mean, I've I've always found it confusing that we have a Lord Mayor of London for a start and then we have the London mayor as well. But we also have local MPs and councils. So why do we need a mayor for London?
0: Yeah, so I think um, the argument for for the mayor is uh, basically to, to give sort of one overarching voice for London and sort of pull all the boroughs together and to make sure that they are... They are working together because you know a lot of a lot of the, the councils, their interest stops at their border. You know something might be happening one street along, and they they don't care because it's not in their their, their remit. <clears throat> so that the mayor does you know pull all of that together and sort of gives like a, an overall view. You know particularly on on planning, um, that's important. You know if, if you've got sort of uh, development sites that you know straddle boroughs, that, that that's an important thing to. Um, to, to work out and, you know, sort of getting housing in, like, properly spread out across the capital and uh, running transport network. Um, that's that's a massive thing for the mayor. And uh, the mayor is also the police and crime commissioner. <clears throat> so uh, in other parts of the country, they're electing their own police and crime commissioners. Uh, ours is the mayor. It, it's that, That's what we're doing now. We are, in effect, electing the mayor and the police and crime commission at the same time um so yeah the med does do things but ugh, the london mayor has so little power compared to say the mayor of new york uh, yeah so um so that the mayor of new york runs education and in london i think it's still the boroughs that are, are running schools and you know we, we don't have control over the the mayor doesn't have control over the, the health service uh it's 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 an odd job in in a way. It's almost the almost the the biggest role is sort of as a bully pulpit to you know shout about London and to 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 kind of persuade government to give us more. Yeah, because it does seem
1: like I mean, and I'm basing this on Boris really, but yeah. part of the job it seems to be being a front man for the city or a front person for the city. You know, just being able to travel the world and go, hey, our city's brilliant and um, that's it, you know, and rugby tackle children in Japan or whatever he do, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, um, yeah, that, that is a large part of it. Um, but, you know, this, the, technically the mayor is also the, the head of transport for London, um, although Boris uh, delegated that to somebody else. Uh, he, well, he also delegated the job of being police and crime commissioner to somebody else. Um, the, the, there is a, a lot of, <laughs> yeah, but there, you know, sort of around um, people who watch City Hall, you, we do kind of get, you know, Get together sometimes and go. What is he actually doing? Don't know. Yeah, me neither. Anyway. Um, yeah,
1: I, I read a lovely uh, interview once with I think it was with Ken Livingston and he and they said, you know, how do you feel Boris is doing? This was a few years ago, and Ken said that he saw a picture of Boris in one of the papers standing by his desk, and the desk was exactly the same as Ken had left it. He hadn't even changed the pen holder. <laughs> Incredible. Um, so, so just uh, as you're saying about Mayor of New York, do you think then that? are the mayor of London should be given more powers or do you think it's it's best as it is?
0: It's one of those odd... I guess it probably depends on where you stand in the sense of how much power do you want to invest in one person? Um, Because, I mean, you were were talking about the Assembly earlier and, you know, what the hell does the Assembly do? And that's a very, very good question. Um, Basically, what they do is hold the mayor to account um, and and scrutinise what he's doing, but they have... Very little power. I mean, they can't even reject or amend the budget without a two thirds majority. And the the way uh, the assembly is split at the moment, the way the the, the political parties are, uh, the Tories have uh, they they have one more seat than they need for. So they've got like a third and one seat. If so, uh, there will never be a two thirds majority uh, to amend the budget unless the mayor does something unbelievably rubbish. That you know transcends party lines, but on something really important uh, like the budget, it's almost inconceivable that one of the Tories on the assembly would overstep. You know, we would would step out of out of line and, and vote against him. So the mayor pretty much has a free hand.
1: Wow, yeah. that's very
0: scary. Exactly. So you can kind of go. How much power do you want to put in the one person of the mayor? Because it's it's very. It's presidential, but without the checks and balances of the Supreme Court and, and Congress, you know? Um, so, yeah, it would be good if London had more power and we were able to keep more of our own taxes and, you know, raise our own money to, to build stuff without having to go capping hand to the Treasury. But that means you've got to be very, very careful about who you're electing.
1: Sure, and 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 then, of course, it means we really have to think about the London Assembly as well as the mayor. Yeah. Uh, and who we put on that, which which is... I think quite hard because so I, I got the mayor the booklet of who we should elect and the London Assembly. It just gives lists of names. You have no idea who they actually are. Yep. They're not all on Twitter. All on you know they haven't all got web pages. So you're just sometimes going well. I suppose that name seems funny. I'll go for them. You know I don't know. Yeah. And, and actually, these people are, could be in charge of some quite important budgetary decisions.
0: Yeah, I mean the, the, the Assembly. I mean oh, for all that you yeah. know, nobody really knows who they are. Um, so there's the scrutiny. Uh, role and but they also do a lot of really good uh investigatory stuff. So they'll they'll put out um reports. Um you know then they'll, they'll um it's it's kind of like they'll, they'll come up with a sort of advisory roles, you know, about things what things that the mayor could and should do. And sometimes they get taken up and sometimes they don't. Um but you know they're they're good at looking into sort of maybe what's gone wrong at TFL or uh in the police. Um there was a really good report uh, into the Garden Bridge recently. Um, you know, they, they do do important stuff, but, uh, you know, a lot of them, you wouldn't know them if, they f- if you fell over them. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I have difficulty recognising some of them, and, you know, I'm meant to be writing about this for my job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, oh, so, um, so that's one thing people should do, I guess, is try and look into them as much as possible before they make a vote. Yeah, as best as they can,
0: because there are there are two votes for the assembly. Oh man, I the the mayoral the, the election is ridiculous. There are three ballot papers, and each ballot paper has a different voting system. Which, really? Yeah, it's insane. Uh, so when you vote for the mayor, uh, you get two choices: you get a first choice and a second choice, um, and it, it, that kind of like that sort of uh, takes off um, tactical voting. So you, if you really want to vote for say caroline pigeon other candidates are available <laughs> uh, you, know, you, you, can do. you, you don't have to be
1: non-partisan for this podcast uh, i should add
0: <laughs> yeah Oh, you know if, if, if you want to vote for you know the, the crazy weird independent guy uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, if when all the first choice votes are, are tallied up uh, the top two then go forward and everybody else's second choice votes then get tallied up, and if anybody's voted for the top two, and let's face it, it will be Zack and Sadiq, That's just how it works. Um, you know, then your, your second choice will then go forward. So you know, you can vote for uh, Sean Berry and then vote for Sadiq Khan in, in your second choice, and you're still in effect voting for Sadiq, but you get to you get to express your your real choice. And also, uh, it the first choice votes; those are the only ones that count in keeping the deposit for each candidate. So you have to get 5% of first choice votes to keep the deposit. And it's 10 grand to stand for mayor. Wow. It's it's not like running for an MP where the deposit's 500 quid, it's 10 grand. It's a lot of money. That is, well, that's a lot of money, but it's also,
1: uh, it sounds like a, a, I mean, I haven't got 10 grand, but it sounds like it's less than I thought it would be. I mean, in my head, that does sort of make sense as to why we have several quite crazy looking candidates, I think. Uh, this,
0: this, this is the first time that we've had so many random independents. I mean, I'd always thought that, you know, uh, it being 10 grand was, you know, to kind of like, like dis, you know discourage the, the ballot from being filled up with, with, bonkers people but that has not happened this year
1: well i suppose you can get a 10 grand loan can't you and then sort of want to tell everyone that cannabis should be legal across the city or you know i mean they'll be paying it back for a long time
0: but to duel nigel farage
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's it how bizarre well so I mean as you sort of mentioned there it is only really between Sadiq and Zach it's, yeah. it, it seems to be I mean the, the fact is that's all the coverage is a, is about as well yeah. um, but neither of them are particularly inspiring <laughs> and neither of them uh, seems to be making promises that they can back up that's um, yeah <laughs> yeah so I mean is that are we just looking at four years of kind of Uninspiring, unfulfilled promises, regardless of what happens, is that what's gonna, what it, what it's gonna be?
0: I think so. I mean, Zach Goldsmith's manifesto is basically four more years of of Boris, with a little bit of, um, you know, better air quality uh, policies tacked on, because you know he's an environmentalist, is Zach? Right. Um,
1: and I'm sure he won't get stuck on a zip wire. It doesn't. He doesn't strike me as that sort of
0: person. But <laughs> oh god, that is basically all we're going to remember from Boris, isn't it? The bloody <laughs> falling in the, the the Quaggy River in Lewisham, which, <laughs> I, I live in Lewisham. You know, we're all very proud of that one. Uh, uh,
1: brilliant. <laughs> yeah,
0: and um, yeah, uh, Sadiq. I mean, he is at least you know suggesting a few more things about housing. So he's suggesting uh, a London living rent, which will be a third of average earnings. In uh, the, the area where where you're living in, and that would, I believe, that would be applied to houses that they build them. So city hall builds themselves on land, thinking you know, public land that that city hall owns. So even that kind of like barely scratching the surface, to be honest. But you know, at least the, the idea is there, the principles there, and you know, maybe you can encourage other people to to roll it out. Um, but yeah, a lot of it, I'm quite concerned that. They're not saying where the money is coming from, so at least with Sean Berry and Caroline Pigeon, um, they are at least saying this is how I'd fund it. I, I right. might not agree that all of their what, where they're saying they get the money from is workable, but at least they're saying this is where they get the money from. You know, uh, everyone's saying they'll build fifty thousand houses, which you know, my response is brilliant. How are you going to pay for it? And wake yeah. Up them. Sorry. Yeah, because.
1: Sadiq's talking about the four years of of transport cost freezes, but doesn't say how or. I mean, that would be great, but how, if he can't do it, (laughs) or doesn't know how he's going to do it, that seems completely pointless promising it.
0: Yeah, that's. Oh, that makes me so angry. (laughs) Yeah, the whole thing about the fares is it's so depressing um, because he he says that he will find efficiencies within TFL and uh, find new revenue streams to to pay for this fare freeze. But. it, it, it's, it's it's not kind of adding up. There's not actually putting numbers behind that. I mean, for a start, nobody actually knows how much this first freeze would cost. Zach said 1.9 billion, that is... Well, that's nonsense to start with. What that's based on is it's based on TfL's five-year business plan, so not even four. So, I mean, for a start, you can knock it down to about 1.2, 1.3 billion. <laughs> um, and that's based on... Oh, this is, this is where you start having to talk... Um, economics and inflation. That's based on um TFL raising fares by inflation plus one percent each year. And TFL reckons that inflation will be something like 1.7 or 1.9% next year and then 3.5% for the the, the rest of, of about five years. And that seems a bit high. You know, even the Bank of England doesn't think it's going to be three and a half percent. Sadiq says it will cost him 450 million. Uh, but that's based on inflation at one percent for four years, and the government bunging the the mayor money to not have to add the one percent on inflation on it, which equally isn't going to happen. I think most people reckon it'll be about eight hundred fifty nine hundred million pounds that he needs to find, and I could I could understand if uh, Sadiq had gone, you know what, we'll 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 uh, look at TfL, we'll. Uh, Strip out some, you know, some extraneous functions if there are any. We'll find some more money, and then we'll offset that against fares. But what he's done is he's gone right. I have this number, and I will find that amount wherever I need to. It's it's kind of austerity, you know. did like when the government went, we're going to cut public sector borrowing by whatever, and therefore we will find this money by you know, cutting payments for disabled people. Um, you you can't necessarily say here is a bunch of money I will find, and I will find it wherever I can. Because, you know, presumably, uh, Sadiq's saying that he will uh, get rid of a bunch of expensive consultants. Well, presumably those people are doing a job. So, yeah. you know, what happens when you get rid of them? I, I do not doubt that there are things TFL can do more efficiently, but I think it's dangerous to have an arbitrary figure in mind and then go in and start cutting in order to meet that arbitrary figure.
1: We'll get back to Rachel in a minute, but first, obviously, it's not just the London mayoral elections on May the fifth. There are other places in the UK too. I know, bonkers, isn't it? I mean, how do they even get there without a tube station? I just don't know. First up is the Welsh Assembly, which isn't a place where people in Wales go to sing hymns and then banger take it in turns to do poems they've written about harvest. No, the national. The National Assembly of Wales is a devolved assembly of 60 MPs who can make legislation in Wales without having to check in with the Secretary of State for Wales, which is really handy because the Secretary of State for Wales is Conservative MP Alan Cairns, who once had to apologise live on air for calling Italian people "greasy wops." Consulting him on opinions for anything would probably be like having to ask a black cab driver to, well, have an opinion on anything. I mean, it always always ends up racist, doesn't it? Always, always. There's currently 30 Labour MPs in the Assembly, 14 Conservative ones, 11 Plaid Kimry, and 5 Liberal Democrats, which um, goes to show that pity is an emotion that spreads all over the British Isles. However, this could all change as Labour support in Wales is at its lowest since 2010, which, if you remember, 2010 was the first time that people completely forgot that bankers caused the global crash. And this sort of attitude towards Labour probably hasn't been helped by a Conservative campaign that says that Welsh Labour have caused increased waiting times and NHS budget cuts in Wales. Which is partly true, waiting times have quite hugely gone up under Welsh Labour, but it is also worth noting that funding for the Welsh Assembly comes from the UK Conservative government who slashed Wales's NHS budget by 8%. And despite this, cancer treatment in Wales continues to be an awful lot quicker than in England. And also, judging by Jeremy Hunt's current policies, Wales will probably be getting an influx of junior doctors from England any day now, which I'm sure will help a lot. But the Welsh public seem to want a change, and sadly that means UKIP is polling quite high. Which I think is quite odd, because if Nigel Farage boarded a train in north-west Wales, he'd probably hear quite a lot of people not speaking English, which isn't his favourite thing. The UKIP candidate for the Welsh Assembly, Hayden Rushworth, has a campaign video that involves him jumping around with a cheesy grin, looking like he might try to sell you overpriced holiday insurance despite being too scared of foreigners to leave the country himself. His campaign slogan is, we were born to be independent. He's an Englishman trying to get elected to make decisions in Wales. Yeah, nice one Hayden. Hopefully he'll try to tell everyone how St George was great because he slayed a dragon and the people of Wales will immediately discredit him. The Scottish Parliament election is also happening on May the 5th, and Scottish Parliament is also a devolved legislator. Legislator? Legislator? How do you say that? No one really knows. I really don't like how the term is devolved as well, rather than evolved. I mean, if you look at Westminster, the only way you could be devolved from that bunch of dinosaurs is if you had a parliament run by primordial gloop. Ministers of Scottish Parliament can pass laws, but not as many as they were promised they'd be able to if they voted to stay in Britain in the independence referendum. And of course, they did uh, vote to stay in, and as a result, Westminster only gave them a handful of new powers, and none of them were the sort that you'd make a Marvel superhero film about. Oh, universal credit varying, man! Help! Please slightly vary our terrible situation to only be almost as bad! Yeah, rubbish. That wouldn't work at all. So anyway, Scottish Parliament is currently led by Nicola Sturgeon, and previously before that was led by Alex Salmond, and you wonder if they've just got an endless fish theme. But Nicola Sturgeon is from the Scottish National Party, with the SNP having 64 seats to Scottish Labour's 38, and then there's the Conservatives who have 15 seats, which is far more than I thought there were in Scotland. I know. I mean, I guess it's the English that own all that land up there, and they needed to vote for someone. And then the Lib Dems have five, and they've got a leader called Willy Rennie, which sounds like a solution for upset genital issues. And then the Green Party have two. Again, Scottish Labour is looking to lose more seats in this election, especially as the SNP continue to stay very, very popular in Scotland. And that's despite criticisms that they aren't doing enough to tackle poverty. Scottish Parliament's Poverty Sar Naomi Eisenstadt said last year that Nicola Sturgeon's government hadn't taxed the rich enough, and by refusing to remove winter fuel allowance from very wealthy pensioners, wasn't evenly distributing funds to all Scottish citizens. A report of recommendations from Naomi in January urged for more bold moves on tax reforms, the living wage, childcare and public service delivery, but the SNP have stated that they won't reply to that report until after the elections. That seems fair, eh? I mean, what harm can come from overwhelmingly voting for a party that don't want to say what they'll do for you till after you've blindly got them in power? By the way, if any of you want to send me all of your computer passwords and credit card details, that would be great. I'll tell you why after I get them. Thanks! And of course, there are local elections all over the UK, which again, Labour are predicted to do badly of. And thanks to the 2015 elections, we know that all polls are 100% accurate and always to be trusted. And there's also the police commissioner elections, which no one really knows what they're for. Well, I mean, they do, you know, it's for a police commissioner for your area, but what is that? I mean, someone who commissions police? Is that like, you might commission an art piece? Hi, I'd like two clay police and one hanging policeman for the garden. No, what they actually do is manage the police force budget for your area and set out police forces' priorities in a police and crime plan, which I guess mainly says, stop the crimes and have donuts. Apparently police crime commissioners also have oversight for crime reduction, which sounds odd, doesn't it? You'd sort of hope they'd have foresight, not oversight. Otherwise that's not really that helpful at all, is it? And they also get a pair of golden handcuffs. No, I'm I'm joking. They don't. They totally should. It isn't part of a police crime commissioner's job to tell constables what to do on a day-to-day basis. But then, I'm not sure what you count making a crime plan and managing budgets to be. Is that just sort of polite suggestions of what they should do instead? Anyway, you can find all your local police commissioner candidates at apccs.police.uk and it's really worth a look at seeing who's up for it in your area. I mean, for example... In the West Midlands, there's a candidate called Andy Flynn, who's independent, and he posts hugely racist things on his Facebook, including Nazi imagery. Although, I suppose, actually, that does sound like he might be right at home in that sort of job. And after that, I guess you know exactly who to vote for, and from May the 6th, everything should be fixed. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, before we go back to Rachel, in this second bit, the recording cut out twice. Why? Because I can't afford nicer things. Uh, And one of the times it cut out, it happened in a way that was absolutely impossible to edit. So at one point, Rachel just misses about six words. See if you can guess where that happens. There is no prize if you do, just like life. Also, I say skyscapers. Skyscapers. I am a fool. I mean, and I read your, your article about this. I mean, those sort of uh, confusions and, and muck-ups and incorrect statistics, if that was in a general election, mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone would be swarming on that, all the news would be picking up on it, saying this is these are completely implausible figures, you're making promises that you can't keep, this will cause, uh, you know, uh, job loss, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No one seems to care with this election at all. Why is that?
0: Uh, I think this is... Um it's kind of a knock-on from, uh, from just general City Hall politics. There are very few people who genuinely cover City Hall um, in London media and, and, and the, the national media particularly. I think, I don't know if it's some kind of prestige thing that, that journalists think it's much more prestigious to cover Westminster. Um, yeah, but hardly anybody really knows how City Hall works. I mean, if you really want to pay attention, um, then uh, you need to look at uh, Tim Donovan and Tom Edwards' Uh, at BBC London, uh, in particular, and uh, Ross Lydell and Ripper Currer are at The Standard. Standard. And, you know, me, obviously. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, You know, there aren't, um, oh yeah, Dave Hill at The Guardian, you know, there aren't that many people who really understand how City Hall works. Um, and, you know, and you can't just suddenly get that knowledge uh, three weeks out before a narrow election. So, I think a lot of it just, you know, these candidates are getting a buy because people don't really understand the policies. And that, it disappoints me um, that that's what we've got to, you know, we've got somebody who, you know, is in charge of the biggest city in the country, the greatest city in the world, and nobody's really paying attention. Yeah, because I
1: mean, that's and I really don't ever want to make this podcast kind of London centric, but it is, you know, it is an important city in terms of of business and um, kind of global relations. There's so many reasons why. Yeah, it seems so strange that for a city that uh, does have so many important things based in it and and so much importance uh, with global relations, things like that, that people aren't that bothered about who's going to be the mayor for it and be in charge of some of the budgetary decisions that, you know, it, it seems very, very odd that that's being ignored.
0: Yeah, it is. It is stunning. Um, you know, it's kind of a it's, a it's a dereliction of duty in in a way. You know, for for, for the press um, particularly, and, and yeah, and just nobody. And and if the press don't care and the press aren't writing about it, why should the population care? It's it's you know it's it it feeds on, it feeds on each other. Yeah, yeah, and and
1: I mean as well. I'm I'm a Londoner. I'm a, a second generation Londoner. There's not many of uh, us around. Um, I uh, th- there are things in London that I've noticed are uh, actual problems. I mean, obviously there's there's the housing issue. I mean, I I've lived here my whole life. I know I'll never be able to afford a home here ever. Um, I'm forever going to be renting. Uh, transport is rising. Homelessness seems to be a massive problem. I've I've really noticed. Uh, an increase of, of homeless people on the streets. It sort of reminds me of being a kid when Thatcher was in power and seeing Cardboard City. It's kind of getting to that that sort of level again. Um those are all things that Boris said he would deal with and absolutely didn't. Yep. Is you know, is it likely that any of the candidates we've got this time round are actually gonna tackle any of that?
0: Oh, well <laughs> <laughs>
1: You can swear, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> well, but, um yeah
0: I mean the, I think a lot of I mean the Fairs, transport fares, the mayor can do stuff with that. Um, but I mean, a lot of everything else comes down to housing and housing is, oh, it's so complicated. Just just trying to get my head around housing policy makes me want to explode sometimes. Because um, you've, you've got to look at planning and you've got to release the land uh, and you've got to get the money to build and you know, the... Um, So councils aren't allowed to to borrow anymore uh, to build genuinely affordable council housing. That's, I think, a lot why uh, you get private developers coming in and the price of land in London is so expensive. And that's one of the reasons why you get all these really expensive apartments because, you know, they've got to take off their costs. Um, And also, you know, if, if, if you let the free market run riot, the free market will run riot. That's just how it goes. And the mayor doesn't have the power over enough of those things to to deal with it. And that's why we've got, you know, rents going crazy, house prices going crazy, homelessness. I mean, it's not just people rough sleeping. I think there are, I think it's something like 50,000 households have been accepted by councils as homeless in London. That's kind of the the, the hidden homelessness problem. You know, people who are in temporary accommodation and and B&Bs and who are being housed by the council because they can't find or afford anywhere of their own.
1: Wow, that's a that is a lot. Mm. But I, I mean, like, so I, I know you're saying that the mayor doesn't have power. But I remember sort of uh, Boris signed off on several skyscrapers with largely unaffordable uh, housing, and yeah. he did the same with sort of properties in in Camden and other areas. So the mayor must have some power over planning or housing in in that sense.
0: Yeah. So uh, um, Boris can and has. Uh, it, it's called calling in uh so if a, if a council is taking too long or can't agree on a development he can you can call it in and he can sign it off himself and he has pretty much always given a green light to these things i think the only thing that he's he's not approved was the south bank center redevelopment uh and it looks like well, his 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 staff have advised him not to sign off on um Norton Fallgate. um it remains to be seen i, I think they haven't quite had the planning meeting yet i don't think um so yeah he he can reject planning but uh, boris's view has been but what he's not really thinking is what what is that housing what kind of housing is that right um, yeah and that's why we've can we kind of in the position that we're we're in now
1: oh, right so uh this is also very depressing um for londoners and everyone i think um so are is there anything that Hasn't been mentioned in the campaign so far. Are there things that, you know, we should be like looking for specifically with the mayoral candidates then? I mean, considering that neither of them that inspiring, is there is there anything that pips one to the post over uh, over each other on a certain issue? Is there, you know, um, I mean, should we be saying, well, Sadiq's four-year free, you know, can't be backed up, but it sounds great. Let's go for that. Is, what what do you think Londoners should care about, really? <laughs>
0: Um, well, I mean, if I had to say anything, I would say Londoners should care about housing. Um, you know, look, look for the person who seems, uh, who seems more likely to, to fix it. and um, none of them will, I think really none of them have got the answer. They, <laughs> Great. <laughs> brilliant. Um, I mean, they've all got some good ideas, um, I mean, even uh, even Zach Goldsmith, um, whose uh, main housing policy seems to be to like, carry on the the, um, the government's plan of you know starter homes and and stuff like that. But he's got a really good idea for um, uh, like a team of of expert planners in City Hall who can go and help out uh, councils. You know, basically battle developers. You know, and and their um, lawyers and their very expensive uh, planners. You know, and say oh, hang on, no, you're saying that this isn't viable to give us 25% affordable housing, we say that's nonsense because councils don't really have the the, the staff and the expertise, so that would be good. Um, you know, some of the other candidates are talking about setting up um, landlord registrations and uh, let, uh, a letting agency at City Hall, things like that, just sort of something that's... Something that shows that the candidates are at least thinking about how to solve the problems within their limited powers. Um, But I would also advise be wary of anybody who sounds like they're promising the earth because they can't deliver it. There isn't really the the power to do a lot of this stuff. Right.
1: Okay. That's very good advice. Um, I mean, partly, I think, uh, personally, I'm going to vote for Sadiq Khan, mainly because Zach Goldsmith's campaign seems to be hugely Islamophobic uh, and Mm -hmm. based on hate. I mean, do you think... Do you think that's the case? Do you think he's been quite unfair in his accusations about Sadiq's sort of extremist connections that don't actually appear to exist?
0: Yeah, it's completely unfair. I mean, you know, the, the guy was a human rights lawyer. Um, you know, of course he's, he's going to come up with some and unsavoury characters. And um, one of the people that he's um, accused of, of supporting was um, the imam at his local mosque, you know, his, his constituency mosque. Of course he's going to meet him. And also quite a lot of the people that... Um, Zach Goldsmith has, has said, you know, oh, Sadiq Khan has been hanging out with these people. You know, the next the, a couple of days after that that speech, photos came out of of Zach Goldsmith with the same people. So it's it's really depressing because I've 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 met Zach Goldsmith. I think that he is a genuine man. I think he um I think he's honest. I think he does believe in um I think he's got, you know, he's got principles, which is odd for a politician. Um, but the Tories haven't really allowed him to. Well, they've not really given, given him any policies. They've just kind of gone pretty much more of the same, really. Um, and so, and they've just they've gone negative. And I, I think if they had, if they had allowed this campaign to be based on the issues, um, we would all have benefited. You know, Londoners would have got a proper debate about what is happening in the city and what can be done about it and instead it's just the two of them bitching at each other and that is not helping anyone
1: yeah which i I mean i also sort of feel because london's such a wonderful multicultural city and i think that's always been one of the best things about it you can't then start a campaign to be mayor that is uh sort of anti-muslim that seems bizarre to
0: me i know i mean yeah exactly You, you can't run a campaign that's you know sort of Saying that like, yes, I will be a, a mayor for all Londoners. Oh, pissed except the ones who look a bit brown. You know, you can't you can't do that. I don't know what he's what. He, well, I, I mean, the, the cynical thing is to say, oh, well, he's appealing to outer London, but that is that's offensive to outer London. You know, mm. and that's implying that all around, everyone in outer London is a racist, which you know, give people some credit. <laughs> you know, which was I think the Tories are not giving Londoners yeah enough credit um you know that, that they're not it's, it's almost like they don't think that we can handle you know talk about issues that they, they have to boil it down to you know ad hominem attacks
1: yeah yeah it's really depressing um well on on that note we've got a couple more questions for you um one i mean i think we've answered this through the conversation so far anyway but looking back at the past eight years do you think boris johnson has been a good mayor for london
0: <laughs> um, his deputy mayors have, have done most of the work um i don't know he's he's not really done a great deal i mean the the cycle superhighways. once he once they finally got over the idea that you know a bit of blue paint on the road and they've you know now they've got to the point where it's properly segregated that is a really good legacy and I'm pleased that that has happened. And I'm pleased they finally come around to that. But the housing crisis has got worse. Um, they haven't really done anything to tackle um, inequality. Fares have, have, have gone up. Uh, but, you know, on, on the other hand, we've got a lot of investment in the transport system. But again, that was happening anyway. Uh, and it's it kind of feels a little bit like the city's ticked over for eight years. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because I sort of, yeah, I mean,
1: he's he's cut fire services and that 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 cable car is so rubbish. Oh,
0: the bloody cable car! It's
1: such a waste of time. But I mean, and the bloody it was, bridge. Oh, and the bloody garden bridge, and then thank God Boris Island didn't happen, and <laughs> yeah. you know, it's terrible project after terrible project. I mean, the only thing I, I suppose I would say is that, and and it's not necessarily a great thing, but to the rest of the world, I think he's been a very kind of caricature London mayor, you know, and as he's travelled the world, people have gone, oh, look at this hilarious British London mayor. And while that's probably not the view that we want people to have of us, he's very noticeable. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I said, it's not necessarily a a good thing. Um, Right. Well, last question then. And thank you so much for talking to me. Um, If you could have anyone as your mayor of London from in the world or history or anyone, who do you think the ideal mayor of London would be?
0: You know what? (sighs) I, Just thinking about this and given what's happened over the last few days i'm gonna say victoria would oh she would have been amazing she would and um, i mean, apart from the fact that i i i really think that that london would would benefit from a woman in charge um if if you go to any of the debates um whenever sadika olzak send one of the deputies which they're doing quite a lot actually for these hostings you know not not the big high profile ones but quite often they'll, they'll send someone like Val cost for labor, um, to, to do the talking for them. And, uh, I don't know if it's a female thing or if it's that they're sending people who are more versed in, in the issues, but we're actually getting debates about what's happening rather than what, what when you get the, 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 boys at each other, they are, they're just, they're basically dick swinging. It's what they're doing. Right. <laughs> um, and you know, if you you go and talk to these, you know, if you if you talk to or if you listen to um, Caroline Pigeon or Sean Berry, I mean, they are they are so good on the issues, and and I'm really pleased that um, they will, in all likelihood, be on the London Assembly come May. You know, they will be amazing, and I'm really happy that they're going to be there. Um, yeah, I think having having a, a woman at the top. Maybe a little bit less bothered about, you know, personal personal prestige and, and personal and might actually get stuff done. Probably going to be accused of reverse sexism for that. No, <laughs> no that
1: not might. not by the yeah. listeners of this podcast. I think they'll probably all agree with you. <laughs>
0: yeah. And the thing about Victoria Wood is she understood people. I mean, you know, you, this has been said time and again in in obituaries and, and tributes to her she really got what makes people tick and i don't think you can be a mayor without understanding people
1: absolutely absolutely i also uh she was a north london like myself for many years so i think that would have been a great choice uh, for mayor too <laughs> and that's going to upset all the south to this immediately yeah i laughed at dick swinging i am a child but i'm very very proud also, Victoria Wood as mayor would have been great too. I mean, imagine having a mayor that, unlike Boris, was actually funny and considerate too. Oh, I was very sad to hear that Victoria Wood died. I was extremely lucky to very briefly meet her at a Chortle Comedy Awards in 2011, and I bullied her into having a photo taken with Susan Kelman, uh, despite the fact that me and Susan were ridiculously drunk. And uh, And Victoria was so, so lovely. It's a very, very sad loss. Um, Anyway, those people Rachel mentioned uh, in her interview as well that you should look up if you want more London Mayor coverage. They are Tim Donovan and Don Edwards at BBC London, Ross Lydell and Pippa Carrera at The Evening Standard and Dave Hill at The Guardian. And more importantly, you can follow Rachel at R.M. Holdsworth, H-O-L-D-S-W-O-R-T-H on Twitter or at Londonist.com. Next week, I'll either be interviewing a brilliant journalist called Rebecca Omanira, who I saw speak about immigration and ghettoisation recently and was absolutely brilliant, or I might be speaking to someone from Hacked Off, uh, which will be interesting. I didn't expect them to get back to me, and they did. Um, I might just try and ask them loads of questions about their private life till they hang up. We'll see. There's no with or without EU this week because, frankly, it's getting so boring, isn't it? I mean, the highlight for me last week, aside from Kate Hoey's stupid comments on facts on Question Time, was Michael Gove making a speech about how the Remain campaign was childish, before then mentioning in the same speech Batman twice, Game of Thrones and Dennis the Menace. Oh, and Boris Johnson's repeatedly often racist sounding whining about Obama was quite amusing. The Mail on Sunday's headline was Boris Rage at Ridiculous Weird Obama, which made him sound like some sort of elitist Hulk. So, based on that, uh, this week's question of the week that we asked on Twitter and on Facebook to all the followers—and I say we—it's just me by myself—was uh, which superpowers would you give which MPs and why? And again, you guys gave the sort of answers that I would marvel at. You see what I did there? It was like a—it's like a joke with, with the words at um, Flair on Twitter. I think that's how you say it. It's F L A H R Flair at Flair on Twitter said uh, Cameron should have duplicate girls' powers so at times of crisis he can be in London and Spain instead of having to come back. I think that should also apply to Boris uh, for the London riots and Saji Chavin as well um, who definitely could be in Australia and possibly in Port Talbot the next time there's a still crisis. Um, at underscore SuperQ said Jacob Rees-Mogg is clearly a time traveller from the 19th century. Um... I think he may even be from further back than that as well, judging by some of his views. Uh, at Gavin Kernow, um, and uh, there's a C-bomb in this one, but damn, it's funny. He says, it would appear that a lot of politicians have been bitten by some sort of radioactive cunt. <laughs> <And coughs> that made me laugh till I cough. Well done, Gavin. Um, at Fluff Logic uh, said, uh, Bojo is clearly related to Mystique, as he too can be whatever people want him to be on command and Cameron runs super fast after interviews, which is a very good point, isn't he? He just manages to vanish uh, like some sort of Quicksilver. Um, the uh, poll Bro Bro, uh, Matthew Hoss, who sometimes helps out on this, uh, he said that most Tory MPs have the power of invisibility, right? Or at least their tax returns do. Nice one, Matt, good work. And uh, Farage is incredibly nationalist, and so he can be Captain America, which I think, judging by his comments about Obama, would really upset him. Um, this is another Twitter name I never know how to uh, re- read, but it's at uroboros Messiah. Uh, he says, Corbyn's power induced narcolepsy. My God. Um, that would be amazing if every time he stood up to speak in, uh, in PMQs, people fell asleep, but I think they do anyway. Um, Nikki Morgan, outstare anyone on the planet. Um, I, I don't know if she does that on purpose. I always think she looks like a pet who can't find their owner. And um, Andy Burnham is Captain Uncomfortable. And of course, Osborne is already a spineless shapeshifter that can lick the back of his own eyeballs. Um, At Fooled Again says, is Captain Pugwash a superhero? Nicky Morgan does have the same eyes. Um, And uh, at Unreal McKay says, uh, I'd suggest Tim Farron be given the power of invisibility, but I'm pretty sure he has it already. Wow. Did you see that? That was a burn. A total burn. that is all for this week's Partly Political Broadcast Um, thanks as always for listening and if you enjoy listening please 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 do tell others as well to listen to this Um, and maybe also review us on iTunes with some nice stars Uh, I mean rating stars you know out of five I don't mean just say your favourite celebrity as a review well, no, actually, I really do want reviews so much. Just feel free to put Shane Ritchie, you know, if you like. And if he's, he's your favourite celeb, uh, he's a nice man. You may as well. Um, and if you don't like listening, uh, then, you know, I admire your gumption in getting to this point of the podcast. I'm not sure why you put yourself through it, to be honest. It's like an, an hour a week. Jesus, you know, find something else to do. Or maybe see if you can get someone to sponsor you to listen to next week's um also if you're in deepest West Wales uh, I am doing a solo show of new and old gags at the McCunliffe comedy Festival on Saturday April 30th in the afternoon um do come along and see how many bits I've just stolen from the podcast and how badly they don't work live on stage when they aren't just shouted directly into your ear uh this week's show was brought to you by two bees or not two bees Oh, wow facts are hard <laughs>